Hello there, Alberto. How are you doing? Hi, Ben. Very well, thanks. What about you? I'm, I'm fantastic. Very happy to be here. Fine as usual. Exactly. Having you here tonight, it's a fantastic thing. It's the last show before I have a two-week holiday, which I'm very much looking forward to. Because I. Wow. Where are you going? I'm not so far. I'm going down to uh, Austria. So Okay, that's cool. Close to Bregenz. So I'm sure we'll have um, plenty of rain, which is going to be fantastic. But I have no work computer. We can run around and expel some energy for the kids to stand at stuff. Yes, good. Cool. Um, before we get started, shall do you want to, um, this might sound a bit strange, but introduce yourself and let everyone know who you are. People probably yeah. heard you before, but you know, why not? Ciao, friends, first of all. <laughs> I'm Alberto Ferrari. I do all things about Power BI, Tabular, and specifically the DAX language. We wrote a lot of books and we write articles, videos, trainings, and stuff all related to the DAX language, which is, uh, I mean, right now it's my passion. It's been the, my passion in the last 12 years. And yeah, I like, I like to do trainings. I like to travel. I like to meet people and yeah. I mainly like to teach. That's something that I learned when I was so young and I continue teaching. That's probably the, oh, I think the thing that I most like. I would say there's very few people in the Power BI, Power BI community that you haven't taught something to, at least I'm sure. Um, I think it's one of those interesting things that when you, when you start on your Power BI journey, um, there's a, a, a few people who are always there all the way through and of course through, you know, dax.do and other websites and stuff there's always something to a video to look at and something to learn so it's, it's quite cool to actually have someone there who's like it's okay so this person has this blog and you can use this blog and also look at their videos so i think it's quite a, an amazing yeah, thing know, that you do with all the teaching for sure that's what i was missing when we started because uh, nobody knew that at the very beginning it was new it was a completely new language with no nothing written so we we were basically provided with Power pivot and they say, okay, have fun. It was a nightmare. So basically it was like starting off as basically just doing documentation, really. Let's have this new tool. Let's see if we can write stuff down so we know how to use it. Yeah, but actually there was not even, there was no documentation, of course. So there were no training at all. We were shown uh, the some demos, some examples of uh, how to write code. But there was not even the theory of that. So the, the entire idea of the row context, the filter context, and the, the syntax of DAX and how it works was not there. Mm. So it was a, a beautiful journey because we had to discover things. Uh, we had the privilege of being able to ask to the analysis services team. So that was extremely useful whenever you had a question. It was an email away. But yeah, we basically needed to create everything to... Mm to find names, uh, finding a name for the row context or for the filter context. Uh, the, the row context didn't have a name at the beginning. And I remember when I discovered that, that, oh, so it's not only the filter context, there's something else. Uh, and it was so fun. That's very cool. And was it, was it putting it in context of just looking around with it, playing with it, or actually just through business cases, kind of just exploring and understanding how did that go? I can't imagine a situation where I don't have a plethora of websites to check or to, to Google something. Uh, how, how does that well, work? But <laughs> we were working with multidimensional before, and I already told this story. So that, or that basically means I'm getting older. <laughs> but we, were, we just finished the book about, a book about multidimensional. It was me, Mark, and Chris Webb. Okay. And we went to a meeting in Seattle. There was this dinner during uh, the past summit uh, where the analysis services team and several consultants, we meet together for a very informal dinner in which we talk about everything analysis services. Very open, very, I mean, there was no BS at all. It was just chatting and okay. discussing technical details. And at that time, they shown us for the first time Power Pivot. It was shown at that past summit. And I totally remember seeing this piece of code uh, saying, uh, that's never going to work. You cannot expect regular users to start building business intelligence. It's 
it's just impossible. They don't know data modeling. They cannot learn the language. They don't have the background and everything that is needed. So I was totally contrary to the idea of Power Pivot at the beginning. That gives you a clear picture of how good I am in predicting the future and <laughs> knowing where the future will be. And during the dinner, they shown us, uh, we were discussing Power Pivot, and they asked us to write a book about Power Pivot and the DAX language. But it was mainly about Power Pivot, mm. but it was speaking about DAX at the time. And I just said, no, we just finished the book. We didn't have time. I didn't want to enter that train. Mm. So we start writing on, uh, uh, how do you call that in English? The pieces of paper that you use to clean your mouth during dinner. Like a napkin. A napkin, a napkin yeah. We start writing down on a napkin the reasons why Power Pivot would be a success. And I took Power Pivot, I took that napkin on mm. the fly back home. I start playing with uh, Power Pivot. Uh, and my goal was to destroy all those reasons, to prove <laughs> in an undeniable way that uh, that project would fail. Wow. And you know what? While playing with that uh, on the plane already, I was confused. I, I said, that's cool. I mean, this is not mm. just a simple tool. It's not just a toy. It's something, mm. it's a lot more. Mm. And so we decided to learn. And while learning it, it was me and Marco talking. We said, what's the best way to learn something? When you teach or when you like to teach or you talk at conferences, you know that the best way to, to learn something is to teach it. Sure. Because uh, the, the level of pressure that you have on yourself uh, in entering all the details if you need to teach uh, is much higher than if you just need to solve a project for a customer. Mm. The code does, doesn't just need to work. You really need to know the details because any kind of question can, can arrive during a, a speech. That's yeah, true. And so we said, okay, so let's write a book about it. If we need to write a book, we will need to learn all the details. Mm. And we started that way. Without the proper knowledge, the first books were full of mistakes because we didn't know mm. uh, the we didn't know the details enough, so we just wrote what we knew. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. And that's why how we started. We started playing with uh, our pivot, and we needed to learn it to write a book because that was our our way of learning the tool. So in a way, it all kind of started with a napkin, right? That's just uh, yeah. It... Everything started with that napkin. That, by the way, is lost somewhere. I was going to say you should I frame would, it. I, you know? <laughs> yeah, I would love to have that napkin. Because that actually changed the completely our cool. our career, the way what we mm. do. We started with the book, and then after the book, we decided to start trainings. And mm. SQL BI was born at that point. SQL BI was already there, but we didn't have a clear path. Yeah, that's really interesting. You know, if you could find that napkin, you could probably auction it off in the Power BI community. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the thing is, I guess after twelve years, it's nearly impossible to find it. I yeah, mean, I cannot find gone. what I, I can't find what I placed somewhere yesterday night. So no way that after ten years it's still there. Well, I can imagine you've moved <coughs> house maybe once since then, and I can vividly remember moving house and actually literally accidentally throwing away my passport. So I think in my house, <laughs> uh, a napkin would not survive that situation. Yeah, totally. Oh, Besides, the house we took young kids, uh, that's impossible to find anything there. That's very true. You have kids as well, right? I do. I have a boy and a girl, 13 and 10. Okay. Yeah. Mine are coming up with a few, a few years behind that. A few years? How, how old are they? My, my son is five and my daughter is eight. Um, okay. My daughter's eight and she's, she's the one who speaks all the Italian. My son speaks the English. And um, so I'm terrified that she's going to, I don't speak any Italian other than unfortunately the swear words. And I can say things like, you know, my, I woke up one morning and I walked into my front room and I shouted at my, do at my dog. And I apologize for the terrible pronunciation, non mangiare la, non mangiare la terra, because the dog okay. always used to eat soil. He used to eat the plant soil from all the plants. And my, my wife's like, how do you know how to say that sentence? But you don't speak any Italian. I was like, because you say it every single morning. So I'm just parroting what you say to me. <laughs> so what I know how to say. So because I have kids, I learn all the animal names. And my wife is from Florence. 
So she has this really quite strong accent. So I don't say like Dominica, yeah. I say like Dominica. I, when I speak, I have this, yeah, yeah. this accent. Yeah, they, so. in Florence, they do not use the C. It's always uh, like an age. Yeah, the classic ho ho hola. <laughs> yeah, ho hola alta alta. <laughs> oh, very good. So um, you married an Italian girl and you haven't, you didn't learn Italian? Don't get me started. Actually, yeah, I know. <laughs> it, it's, I'm, I'm not good at languages. It, it's hard enough for me to, to, to keep with, with my German, you know? Um, so, I mean, I, I, I studied French in school. I started to learn German and all my French just disappeared. I know like maybe like two words. And so I keep saying I'm going to put the effort in and I never do. And I, I feel a constant level of guilt about that. One day. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to have a teenage daughter one day who's going to speak a language that I can't speak. So that's going to be a terrifying time for me. Absolutely. Yeah. You can trust me. The moment they enter teenage, hmm. that's when the problem really starts. Yeah. I can well imagine. We'll see. Yeah. Um, what's that? I hear the question, Johnny. What's, it, what's your favorite English slang at the moment? I know you like, you do like, that's all. I always find that very impressive, by the way. You say you do like, doing like, I think at one point you mentioned doing like a like an elocution lesson or something to how to. I've been very impressed by that. So, the question: What's your favorite slang at the moment? Well, actually, I don't have many. Okay. Because the reason I I like to learn words, but it's actually it's a, a longer story. Uh, Please, that's what we're here for. We were speaking. Yeah, I mean, we're here to talk about whatever. So that's fine. <laughs> right. Uh, I was speaking, I'm still speaking, I guess, English with a very strong Italian accent, but up to a few years ago, it was much, much worse. Okay. Up to the point that uh, we received a lot of comments and feedbacks during conferences or people watching videos that complain about our accent being so strong that it was hard to understand us, mm. which uh, makes sense. Uh, being Italian, it's expected that I talk with an Italian accent, that's for sure. That's fair, yeah. When the accent starts to actually change the meaning of a word, or when people complain that they call Daxa, where so Dax is actually Daxa, and I, didn't, I wasn't able to understand the difference. So actually, mm. people were making jokes about our accent, and I wasn't able to un even understand what they were speaking about. So we decided to. Uh, to polish, to clean our accent, and we start taking lessons. That was wow. both me and Marco since a couple of years, I guess, two or three years. Uh, twice a week, we have chat with English people in order to, to clean the accent and remove the most obvious errors. That's and impressive. Quite quickly, the, the girl who teaches us English said, okay, you will reach a point that... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's fair, right? <laughs> so you will reach a point where you need to choose your accent because you can be American, you can be British, but you cannot be both. You, you cannot mix sentences in one accent with another because that's going to disguise the people listening to you. Hmm. Marco chose American because it's more international. And for no particular reason, just to do the opposite of Marco, I said, so I'll choose British. <laughs> That's class. And I, trust me, I totally felt in love with the idea of learning the pronunciation in English mm. because it's totally insane. So there are no <laughs> rules. You say a word in a way just because, uh, just because, that's it. There are no rules. You, mm. The sounds you have, uh, they are so... They're much more complex than Italian. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you, have, you might have the same letter in a lot of different places. Mm. And depending on the word, depending on where it happens, the sound is completely different. Yeah, it's true. And the only way you learn it is by, by memorizing them. Uh, I guess I always thought about it. If you see a word that you have never seen in your life, mm. can you guess the correct pronunciation of that word or not? I mean, in in English, in English, yes. Tens, yeah. I think unless it's the name of a place, which can be quite different. If it's like a word, I think so, yeah. But if it, if it's a place, no. Okay. Flat, yeah. But if it's a word, you yeah. 
you actually know how to pronounce it. Because to me, I think I got a close the, guess. Okay, yeah, that's good. To me, it's a nightmare. <laughs> and so during the process of cleaning up my English, uh, I started to learn a lot of new words of watching movies in English, watching mm. everything in English, just to adapt my ears to the, the correct sound. And whenever I found a name or a word that looked nice, I said, mm. that's a very beautiful word and I need to, to use it somewhere. Mm. So that's where shenanigans came from. I, I started talking about the Dutch shenanigans. I love that so much. I was thinking of the word that I've always enjoyed that you said. And the first time I heard you say shenanigans, I, was, I loved it because it's such a yeah. good word. Because I was watching Lucifer, the, the, yeah. the series about the devil going to, to Earth. Yeah. And they were always talking about the family shenanigans. And you heard it twice, twice, three times. At some point you say, okay, now I need to learn that word. Yeah. And then the, the game was to, to find a way to say that word in a video. Because I had a list of words that I wanted to use. Okay. I say, okay, where can I use it? And trust me, I planned entire videos just for a word. Because I wanted to say that word. And I say, how can I do that? I love that. To plan. <laughs> That's an impressive amount of dedication. That's a, that's fine. I, I love that. Especially the word shenanigans. Yeah. Well. You can plan a, a video around the word shenanigans. See, I, I mispronounced it straight away. There you go. <laughs> it's the game shenanigans. 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 I tell you what, I, sometimes when I have this, th this thing with my wife, this conversation, I'll say a word so often that I just forget myself. Like she has an issue with box and books, like boxes and money or box like a, like a box. And she can't hear the difference between those two words. And sometimes we would just sit in there, box, 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 and it just goes on. In the end, I think I just I drive myself crazy because I just can't, I can't say it anymore. But you know, it's it's really hard, and I think English-speaking people they do not. Jones, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, English man. is crazy. It's not mental. It's it's impossible. Yeah. Anyway, if you are English, you actually do not, you perceive sounds, uh, you, you hear sounds uh, in a mm. very different way than Italians or French people or Spanish people do. So to me, the hardest part was not cleaning up the accent, but understanding what the accent meant. Mm. When people say you have an Italian accent, I was, I was completely... I don't know the English word for that, but I didn't know what they were telling me. Yeah. To learn the difference between ducks and ducks took me ages. Uh, provided that I said it correctly now, I don't know. Mm. Because people say, you say daxa. No, I say daxa. And that's the same sound to me. That there were it's, no differences. Yeah, I, I, it reminds me. Of, like I've mentioned this before. When I worked as a flight attendant, I worked for EasyJet, and we pressed the buttons for the for the announcements on different languages. And the EasyJet one in Italian, it was always the end. EasyJet. It's the always yeah. oh, at the end. I, I just I, I'll never forget that because it's also pronounced. But this is, I actually do agree with Anthony. I mean, there are some English accents. That like where my dad lives, he lives in in the southwest, for example. And if you go in the, in the countryside there, I just can't, I can't understand them like at all. So okay, uh, yeah, it's it's a different thing. Like if I go to Scotland, like a Glaswegian for me is not particularly a problem, but some accents are tough. So maybe you should also you should also they should also do what you do, you know, kind of doing uh, lessons and. Uh, Plan videos around yeah, a certain but, <laughs> Yeah, but if I'm Italian and I need to learn English, I can choose an accent and try to adapt to that. I love if you're that. Scottish and you want yeah. you ask them to change the, their accent to be like the London one, I don't yeah. think they would be very happy. No, no, they, they definitely hit me for sure. Like I, I don't doubt yeah. that whatsoever. It's like if someone I'm from the north, so someone said to me, like actually this is true. My wife said, Oh, I much prefer the, the accent from down south London. It's like, don't say that to me. That's just upsetting. <laughs> Where is the Southwest? So my dad is, he lives in um, like Dorchester. 
So like on the countryside-ish around there. He used to live in a really, actually my dad used to live in a really small town called, now the word piddle in English means to like, to make, to have a, a pee, to go to the toilet, piddle. Okay. My dad used to live in a town called Piddle Trentide on the river Piddle. And the local pub was called the Piddle Inn. And in that pub, you could order a pint of Piddle. It was like something, it was like something <laughs> from a child's book. It was ridiculous. Um, it was like the entire town was like a joke into itself, you know? Um, so yeah, it's just languages, accent. It's always completely crazy, but it's good fun. It's good fun for sure. I yeah, um, small, small villages in the south, outside of London. I, I think hmm. there's such a difference between London, that is the experience most foreigners hmm. have uh, about hmm. UK, and the small villages uh, in the country. People are so incredibly different. I loved, I had to do a training in a small village uh, quite far from London. Okay. And I had to take a car. And you can guess, you, I mean, you British people, you just drive the wrong way. So we <laughs> had to learn. <laughs> I had to go there, ride, rent a car, start driving. And there was a very small hotel where I booked a room. Hmm. And the check-in closed at 11 p.m. My flight probably landed at 10 p.m. So I had an hour to drive uh, scared as hell uh, because <laughs> everything was the opposite of what I was expecting. I reached the hotel at like 11 and two minutes, hmm. entered and uh, started searching for the check-in hmm. and there was nobody there. It was a pub. So everybody was there drinking beer and having fun, but there seemed to be no, no chicken available. So I asked them, quite scared that mm. I had a problem for the night, say, hey, I'm here to do the check-in, I'm a bit late. And the girl at the bar just looked at me and say, she was a very nice young girl, look at me and say, yeah, you could, but I'm tired, I don't want to check you in, so <laughs> came back tomorrow. <laughs> I, it took me a while to understand that that was a joke. Yeah, yeah, that uh, dry and kind of thing. People were so friendly, so so mm. calm mm. compared to the stressful life that Londonians have. There, everybody runs, everybody is in a hurry, looking mm. at the phone and mm. doing business all the time. Mm. Whereas the country is so much relaxing. Yeah, I think as I get older, I kind of more crave moving a bit out of a city center moving to some a bit more actually i think my my dream is to live somewhere like norway or somewhere where it's cold and i can be a bit more remote or i don't know someone like shetland islands would be fantastic for me i like cold i like rain okay. and you can see how that would cause problems when trying to book a holiday with my italian wife right she's like let's go somewhere hot i'm like no i'm like yeah i mean i've got the world's from the Italian point of view vacation means uh, first of all sea yeah, you need to have the sea. If there's no sea, that's not a vacation. It's, uh... I love the sea. I'm from a coastal town. I grew up swimming in the sea. It was the North Sea in the northeast of England, and I also, you know, it was extraordinarily cold. So if it's a very cold beach, I'm very happy with that. You know, but um, okay, that wouldn't be. I totally uh, understand, and I'm on your Italian wife's side. Yeah, I, Alberto, you and I will never have a holiday together. It seems I'm very sad about that, but I think it's just it, it just wouldn't work out. You know. <laughs> Oh man. Anyway, um, pushing through other points. I was just look, looking through you. I Googled you, of course. I mean, I didn't have to Google you so much because I've seen a lot of your stuff before. And I discovered the existence of something that I've never seen before. S-S-A-S Maestro. This is... Ooh, yeah. The SAS Maestro training. That I've was never heard at of the that. time of multidimension. Never heard. At the time of multidimensional... We're talking about like 15 years ago, I guess, something like that. Okay. Uh, there were trainings that Microsoft offered and uh, the the highest level of training in analysis services was mm. called the SAS Maestro. It was a training that lasted for fi five days with uh, people from the analysis services team teaching us all the internals of analysis services. And mm. it was a nightmare of a training. Really, you spent five days uh, with slides, concepts, ideas, technical details being thrown at you all the time. Mm. 
you could try to defend and shield from them, but no way. They were keep coming and coming, and you had yeah. a lot of stuff to learn, and uh, you also had to do exercises. Mm. And uh, there was a final test uh, that you had to pass uh, after the five days uh, in order to gain the, the title of SAS Maestro. They wanted to create the training and then start to sell it. Mm. And before doing that, they delivered three, four different trainings, but maybe only three. Was one was in the in the east, one was in London, and the other one probably in the US. Mm. And they offered us to attend the training because it was the the first one. So we attended the training, we got the title uh, without having to pay for that because it was like a beta test of the yeah, okay. of the training. Not bad. Just to give you an idea of the complexity of that training. We had to pass the test at the end. Mm -hmm. So there was a test uh, with questions and stuff. One of the tests was to produce a, a, a new white paper, at least 40 pages long, about some aspect of analysis services. So we had to write an article about something entirely new that we discovered about analysis services. Whoa. But that was not the hard part. Oh, okay. The hard part is that there were questions. And the training went too long, so there was not, not enough time to complete the test during the five days. So the teacher told us, uh, that's not a problem, bring it home with you, you can complete the test and send them back to us. And I okay. started laughing like, like an Italian, okay. say, come on, you're saying that I can do the test with Google available, hmm. that's not a test, right? it's just a, <laughs> a matter of searching for the right answer. And Oh, Susan, I don't remember what my topic was. Uh, probably something related to many to many. Uh, anyway, when I went home with my list of questions, I'm Italian. So the first thing that I started to do was searching on Google for the answer to my question, just to discover that there were none. Oh. So the questions were so intricate that Google didn't know about that. Wow. And that's the reason why they were so confident in saying, yeah, go mm. home. The, okay. There's no problem. Either you know the answer, you find the answer, or you are... You will not think, pass the test. Do you think that would be possible today? No, because after the beta test, uh, actually the training never was never available. I don't think they ever sold a single copy. At the time, ah, you okay. could be a SQL... I don't remember. There was a name, SQL Master or SQL... Okay. The, the highest level. <laughs> Did you try, Jeff? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I mean, you know... The... No one ever did. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I don't know how many people Bing. I, I typically Bing just to discover that I don't find what I seek and then I Google for that. Yeah. That's true. Uh, yeah, I mean. Yeah. Anyway, no. they the, 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 that training never started. It. Uh, I think the only such maestro on the planet are the ones that took the beta test, hmm. and that's it. Then it was supposed to be really some sort of title that you can sell as a consultant, saying, "Hey, I'm a such maestro." But then never happened. Do you? Yeah. Fair enough. So basically, that there are so few maestros in the world. You're one. You're one of the few. It's pretty cool. But in, in general taking a test home and not being able to Google a question because it's there is nothing there or it's so complex, all that sort of stuff. I just wonder if if there could be any, how advanced would a test have to be now for there to be actual no <coughs> answer if you Google it? Because there is a multitude of answers on so many different, I mean, of course what I'm Googling is not particularly advanced if you look at that level that, you, that you're talking about, like I always say, you know, if you Google something, you're going to get the answer. For example, if I give a Power BI training, I'll always say, if you're, if you're learning Power BI for the first year, if you can Google something and you can't find a good answer to your question, I'll buy you like a case of beer or a case of yeah. whatever you drink because it's just... Yeah, because everybody there. talks about that. But keep in mind the world of business intelligence deeply changed in the last 10 years. Yeah. Before Power Pivot, it was a very small world with a few people, most of them very high-level consultants. 
mm. because the, the technical barrier was very high. You needed to learn a lot of details to set up a, a good multidimensional cube and optimize it the right way. Power Pivot and then Power BI lowered the bar so much that that is when a lot of people started to started to enter the, the world. And now Power BI is a star and there are a lot of posts about that. If you seek for multidimensional stuff, you might find the answer, but it's going to be hard to read because it's very technical mm. and it's not target to the newbie. It's target to to people that are already expert about the, the mm. topic. Mm. Fair enough. But you are right. Google finds a solution to anything, Yeah. which uh, being old, I think this is one of the major problems of students today. It's so easy to find the answer that you actually do not struggle in searching for it. Mm. And the only way to learn is to struggle, to be to have a problem that you need to solve. It's really interesting that you say that because I was just thinking yesterday and I was, it's just a round ball that popped into my head. One of the reasons that I love my job so much is that I'm always finding or searching for an answer to a problem. Yeah. So like now, for example, I'm doing a lot of stuff with Deneb. Yeah. And there's a lot of stuff that I don't know. And there's, I'm getting to the point where I'm finding stuff where the documentation is good, but I have to kind of look through and then adapt an answer with another answer and then put them together to, to create the answer that I want. So I, I agree, I think, to, to have a problem that you don't really know the answer to and to search for an answer is a very satisfying thing. It's, it's kind it of is. helps your brain work a certain way. It is, and it takes you... It forces you to learn... I remember I was in Amsterdam once. There was a girl that had a problem, a performance problem with uh, a Power BI file. Mm. So she showed me the file. There were several mistakes in it. We played with that. We fixed uh, several problems. I explained then what I did. And then I sent, I gave her a link to a video that was an introduction to optimization. Okay. It was an hour long video that, of course, just covered the basics of the the basic details of optimization. But what surprised me is that when she saw the, how to Google, yeah. When she showed the video, she said, oh, that's an hour long video. I will never watch an hour long video. I said, I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, the, the maximum length of a video that I can watch is five minutes. 10 minutes is if I'm really, really interested in the topic. Otherwise, I skip it. That's disconcerting. The thing is that the work of this girl was, uh, it contained a lot of mistakes that newbie mm. do, but it was not bad. Yeah. So as a, cons as a user, I would be happy with that report. It solved my problems. It computed yeah. the values. Everything was fine. True. From the internals, it was horrible, but from the outside, it was mm. just good. Yeah. And this girl didn't even think about attending a training, like attending mm. 10 hours of training to learn something. Mm. Her goal was to search for a quiz, write a question, get the answer, implement it to the customer without properly understanding the details, hammer the code until it works, and then she was happy. And so yeah. the customer was. That's a problem. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't sound like she's a candidate for your tabular course, mate. I think if you can't do a one-hour uh, video, I think you're... Um... The SQLBI tabular course might be a little bit too much for her as well. Totally, that was a hell to record. Uh, and I'm so <laughs> sad for the people that have to watch that kind of thing. It's everyone loves it. content, it's insane. I've, I'm going through it. I've got to say, I, I started it at Christmas. I'm going through it slowly, but I'm getting there. I think I'm at 20, 25% or something. So I'm taking a few Whoa. hours. Yeah, it's slow progress, but I'm I, I put aside a certain number of hours each week. Um, so no, it's, but it's, it's certainly in depth. That's absolutely true. SEC Susan also is working her way through as well. Everyone's working their way through it. It's good yeah. stuff. Uh, actually, it's a good point. Bring it onto tools and that kind of stuff. Do you want to speak a bit about the Bravo for Power BI? This is quite a new thing that to just start looking at the yeah, past few days. Yeah, that was nice. That's, that's actually this is... Marco's project. Marco knows everything about the Bravo. Ah, okay. Uh, I stand a bit aside of it. Because I'm not a developer anymore. I'm not okay. able to develop code. I, mm. I mainly teach write and write docs, uh, yeah. but ask me to write code and do something more geeky. That's no longer <laughs> my job. 
So I play with the user, the UI, and I play with that. Mm -hmm. The idea was to provide a tool that gives uh, detailed information and simple operations, simple mm -hmm. uh, tasks for the average user. So it doesn't target professionals, it targets really basic users mm -hmm. and give them the ability to understand the, the space used in their columns, uh, the quantity of RAM that is used in their model. Where are they wasting space? Maybe there are unused columns. Maybe there are columns that are mm. that can be compressed better. So the, the first idea was to give a, a very quick idea about the size of the model. Yeah, it's a good idea. Then my favorite feature is uh, format all the code. So give me the option of clicking a button, format all the measures in a nice way so that we can actually read it. Is it short line or long line? Ah, uh, you know, I don't remember. <laughs> I haven't checked. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> that's a yeah. That's that's important because I love long line, but yeah, yeah sometimes short line is better. That, that really short. depends on you. Like short, I do like short. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Actually, I tell you what, it's developed because it maybe it might have been reactionary because I used to do something that you would probably want to choke me for when I first started working with Power BI. I used to write my docs in like long sentences. Like I didn't okay. do anything at all. And then I thought, yeah, it's fine. It gets a job done. Who cares? So this one I was just starting, right? And then after like six months, I was like, oh my God, what am I doing? Because <laughs> even I can't understand this anymore. I need to break it down. <laughs> so then I think maybe I just started breaking it down as much as I could to get in. Like, that's why I got short line. Um, but I think short, long, it's all good. As long as it's not how I used to do it, which is long sentences. Yeah. Oh, and then man. Marco started to think about features that were useful for most users and that could be developed in a simple way, so without yeah. too much complexity. Export to CSV or export that's to Excel, cool. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, it's something that I always wanted to do, and uh, it's always hard if you have a Power BI file and you want to create. Unforgivable that we don't oh, have yeah. something forever. It's, it's a fair point, I think. Yeah, I think we do not want to open that jar because uh, <laughs> if, if we start to talk about what's unforgivable about Power BI, yeah, that might be. We might be in trouble pretty soon. Yeah, I don't want to tweet something else and start like a whole. We had a, this happened about two weeks ago. I tweeted something, and then this conversation started, and then yeah, <laughs> it went into it. But, yeah, but. I know. Just to give you an idea, I remember, and I still have it somewhere. It was 2010 mm. when Power Pivot entered the market. They created the user interface to create measures and DAX code in Excel. Mm -hmm. And it was a text box. Okay. Exactly what it is today. So we still yeah. use a text box today. Yeah. And I wrote to the team saying, come on, you cannot expect us to write DAX code in a text box. We need a better user interface. And that girl answered me with a sentence that says something like, we totally understand you and we will never pretend that developers use a text box to write their DAX code. So expect in a very short term, a full editor with powerful capabilities as you would expect from any developer tool from Microsoft. That was 12 years ago. <laughs> and for a few years, every year I sent back to her the, the email saying one year passed, two years passed after the sixth anniversary, I stopped because it was clearly a waste of time. Yeah. But editing DAX is a, a really a pain in the neck. It's yeah. uh yeah, it's true. I mean, have an editor now. Fine, it works nice and straightforward. But to do it natively in Power BI, it's it's not so. Uh, no, it's so it's just horrible. Yeah, just think. Do you have for, for you know SQL BI? You have all these tools. You got the Bravo, Dax Studio. I'm just reading off the screen here. Tabular Editor, Vidipack Analyzer. This one I don't know. Analyze in Excel for Power BI Desktop. I didn't know that one, but it's on the website. Okay. Well, you don't have a Twitter account. Why is there no SQL BI Twitter account? I always try and at, at SQL BI and I find no no Twitter there. Yeah, you know, that's the first time I even think about that because Marco has uh, his own account. I have my account. There's no official SQL BI account. And you might be right. We might ask Marco to create a SQL BI account. Mm -hmm. Even though, keep in mind, Marco does all the social media activity. I'm not a social guy. 
Oh, okay. I do not have, I just read Twitter from time to time. I retweet something or I like something. Mm. A few times I provide answers, but if you look at the number of tweets that I do, it's insanely low. And the same for LinkedIn. Uh, actually, I do not like to, to spend a lot of time on social. Mm. Fair. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of, because it's me. Yeah. I kind of like being in the Power BI bubble in Twitter. As soon as I step outside anything Power BI related from Twitter, I realize it's basically horrendous. Um, but staying inside <laughs> that, that group, it's quite okay. I mean, that's why I hate LinkedIn so much because I post on it for like, you know, try and get links to my videos and stuff. But uh, other than that, I'm not a fan of, of LinkedIn at all. It's just a whole mess of garbage that I'm really not interested in. Yeah, yeah you know, I mean, if it's not data, it's boring, so... If it's not data, it's boring. That's a t-shirt right there. Love it. <laughs> Do you know what I just realized before when we were talking about accents and, and learning words and stuff, that yeah. was the perfect opportunity for me to um, play you this clip from a couple of weeks ago where I spoke to Christian Wade. Oh, okay. Saw, saw that. I spoke to Christian Wade and Christian Wade was said he could do a, a, a very good Alberto Ferrari impression. Yeah, I want to see that. Totally. You can see it now. I thought you could, we can watch it now. Quick, it's a very short clip, uh, and you can give him maybe give him like a mark out of ten. How does it sound? Okay, sounds good. Let's go for it. Clip's coming right now. Here goes. You guys can tell me if you know who I'm talking about. Ciao, friends. Welcome to another video from SQL BI. I I I am a business intelligence consultant, uh, consultant, uh, a DAX aficionado, and. <laughs> I mean, at least to call you an, an aficionado. <laughs> that was beautiful. <laughs> because his hands, he didn't say chauffeur. Ciao, friends. Yeah. I want to talk to you about business intelligence. I'm a business intelligence consultant. Yeah. Fantastic. Right. When he started speaking, I thought you had appeared on my screen, to be honest. There you go. So, marks out of <laughs> 10, what scary. do you think? Oh, that's a 10 for sure. It's a 10. Oh, wow. Oh, Absolutely. Wow. He was always using his hands, which uh, that's something I learned very talking that, I mean, Italians are probably one of the few uh, cultures where we use our hands so much. We can have an entire chat just by using our hands. It's you a magical know thing. That because I do. We and do what I love about it. Yeah, she can tell me, let's go from across the room without even talking. She does this thing, you know? Yeah, it's like it's something like this. I can't. I can't my front. I kind of like kind of like this. I don't know. And it means like let's go. Yeah. Like, it's fantastic. So yeah, it's, it's yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. like like it's like a low key sign language somehow. Yeah, I remember once I was in UK, I went to a restaurant, and of course my food English is not that good. I know technically English because we talk about ducks and stuff, but when I read the menu of a restaurant, it's always hard to to understand what I'm gonna eat. And among the many uh, dishes, there was uh, something that was pan fried. And I didn't know what pan fried meant. But there was another Italian there mm -hmm. that was living in the UK. So he said that pan fried is this. Mm. And by this movement, I say, oh, I get it. This is what <laughs> pan fried means. So basically, in Italian, we do have a gesture to say mm. pan fried, which yeah. It's just That's insane. Cool. That is bizarre. I love it. Thinking about that, I, this is all back to the whole uh, Italian uh, culture type thing. There is actually a Twitter account, and I think it's called something along the lines of Italians Angry at Food. And I love it. And it reminds me, I was one, and because this, this passionate, this passion that comes in Italians when they see it, you know, Italian food, food cooked in, incorrectly or something. I was once in the cinema with my wife. And before the film starts, you have all the adverts and someone was making like, the advert was something about spaghetti carbonara or something. And they, in the advert, they added cream, right? My wife just literally started like shouting at the screen about how that's not how you make that dish correctly. I'm like, all right. <laughs> it was, it was a marvelous moment, truly. But you know, in Italy, we do have rules about food. That nobody teaches you. It's just they are part of part of our culture. 
And again, I learned that we are one of the few cultures that actually have, are so strong about rules. You can drink a cappuccino in the morning. You can drink a cappuccino up to 11 o'clock. But ordering a cappuccino in the bar at 12 o'clock is just weird. We never do that. <laughs> when we see foreigners eating a, drinking a cappuccino after having lunch, yeah. that's horrific. It's, uh, no, you can't. <laughs> You know, I mean, that's opposite to the rules. You cannot yeah. do that. Yeah. There are actually no good reason not to do that, mm. except that we love rules. So we want, we, we hate rules. But when it comes to food, things yeah. are different. Yeah, absolutely. We do have very strong rules. My wife actually went back to Italy on, for a holiday to see her parents or whatever. And she ordered, I can't remember, she ordered a coffee at the wrong time of the day. And the waiter just wouldn't give it to her. And she, was, she just she just couldn't have yeah, it. You can. She was like, "But I want it." She's like, "It's just it's ridiculous. You're Italian. You can't order this now." So she she just didn't get her coffee. She was so pissed off. It was pretty funny. <laughs> but one of my this is um, this comedy um, Thirty Rock. I'm not sure if you know this um, with Tina Fey and I think Alec Baldwin. Yeah. And there's this line in it that I love when it talks about uh, they're talking about rules. And Alec Baldwin he says he says there are no real rules. It's like an Italian airport. And I was like, that is, having, <laughs> that is so true. Yeah, ha having worked for EasyJet, working out of Italian airports, I was like, yeah, I can, yep, this is true. That is bang on accurate. So do I speak, I know we've covered, I don't speak Italian. I, I sh I'm, when people ask me that question, I feel a deep, deep sense of shame. Uh, but yeah, one day, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I'm always learning something. I'm just quite quite tight. I'm learning my German and then I'm learning, you know, Power BI stuff and then I'm learning. So I'm like, these are my excuses. You have to have a good list of excuses. And this is one of my, uh, yeah, I that's know, why I know. He says I should, I should have excuses. Yeah, I should. I know. I, <laughs> I should feel ashamed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. I absolutely love it. Oh, man. Um, so I promised 45 minutes. It's gone a little bit over, for which I do apologize, but it's no such an enjoyable chat. It's quite a uh, relaxed uh, chat. I've enjoyed it very much. Whereabouts are you based, by the way, in Italy before, before I forget? Is it uh, Turin I live in a small village outside of Turin. Turin okay. is northwest, just below France. Yeah. Nice. So it's north, uh, like 100 kilometers from Milan on the west. Okay. I wasn't sure if you made the move to over to the US to be closer to Microsoft or something, um, but you're still firmly planted in No, in actually, you know, I thought about a lot of time about moving away from Italy, but I mean, food is what is keeping me here. There's no, I, mm. probably because I was born in Italy, but I cannot find any country that where the food is uh, just close, not even close to, to Italian. Yeah. I, I, I can, but, I can understand that. I, when, I, when I visit Italy, what strikes me, I mean, the difference between Germany and Italy is quite big. I can't remember British food. I know we historically famously have bad food, though I think it has improved. If you go to Italy, just by eating the fruit, I think the fruit in Italy just tastes so good. And um, that, that alone, the taste of fruit would, would, would keep me in Italy, to be, to be quite honest. So I can fully understand your reasons to stay there. That staying somewhere yeah. for food is always a good reason. Yeah, we are so lucky. I mean, that Italy, from a geographical point of view, is just a, a perfect mm. place. It's in the middle of the sea, at the right long, longitude, no latitude. Uh, yeah. So, it's I got I would argue maybe Italian, Greek. I really like Greek food. Very nice. Yeah, Greek. But I would say all around the Mediterranean. So if you yeah. go. Uh, in Spain, uh, Greek, uh, um, Italy, but also Turkey, all the area from mm. all the geographical area, French too, which is around the, the Mediterranean Sea. Mm. That is where you actually can eat gorgeous food, which, as you said, is very simple. It's uh, Italian cuisine is very poor. It's made from the country. Yeah. It's not elaborate. It's not complex. Uh, mm. If you go to the northern countries like Sweden or Norway, uh, Finland, uh, they have 
fabulous food, but it's very elaborate. It's not simple food. It's very, with a lot of different tastes and different ingredients put together to, to create a dish. Yeah, Whereas sure. in Italy, you just take something from the garden, you yeah. chop it and <clears throat> you start eating. Yeah. And that brings me on. The reason I've left this comment from Susan there is the tomatoes. I'll tell a story. It, um, uh, it's a brief story, I promise, but I, I really, really despise tomatoes. Like if they're on pizza cooked, like if they're in something cooked, it's fine. But to eat a tomato, like an apple or something, it makes me like very, it makes me kind of physically sick. I really, really hate it. And my wife is all like, yeah, but you haven't had Italian tomatoes and blah, blah, blah. So we went to Italy. She said, try this tomato. I want to eat it. I was like, no, it's still, it's disgusting. Went back the following year and we hired a camper van and we did like a, a, a trip around uh, Toscana. Yeah. And we pull up this campsite and by kind of like a volcanic lake or something. And we went to this restaurant and the restaurant owner, who was also the chef, uh, brought out something like olives, tomatoes, that sort of thing. And my wife, Barbara, again, she's like, try the tomatoes. I'm like, Barbara, I don't like tomatoes. I never like tomatoes. I'm not going to like it. Do you want me to try it to prove it? So I picked up this tomato, I put it in my mouth. It was amazing. It was <laughs> so, so delicious. It's the only tomato I've ever enjoyed. And it, he grew them in his garden. So my wife told the waitress and she brought out this like huge bag full of these tomatoes. And it was the only time <laughs> in my life I've been sitting there just eating them like, this is so good. This is so good. <laughs> that was it. So that's my strange tomato story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, oh, and tomatoes. Cool. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, um, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I really appreciate you joining here today. Um, it's a little bit of Dax we got involved in, but mostly Italian accents, that sort of stuff. So um, very nice chat. Very enjoyable. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. Everyone who got involved in the comments, everyone who joined us, thank you so much. There'll be nothing for the next two weeks because I'm off on holiday. Um, but when we get back, there'll be something on that Thursday. So again, thank you for joining. Alberto, it's been a pleasure and um, take care and good evening. Enjoy Dax. Why not? Enjoy, enjoy Dax, exactly. <laughs> enjoy Dax. Dax. Dax.